Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and you're listening to the Makers of Minnesota, where we talk to cool people doing cool things. And right now, I am in a factory, in a warehouse, as it were. And I just want to describe to you, when you open the door to where I am, you get the citrusy, hot, spicy, delicious smell of a habanero pepper. I am with Bernie Dolan, and we are at Double Take Salsa. And Bernie, I opened the door, and I felt like I was in the Caribbean. Well, thank you. It that's was amazing. That's kind of what we want uh, when we make our products. We want to bring you somewhere. We want to. We want to take you to a place uh, that makes you happy. Frankly, yeah. and then you said uh, we went and you gave me a tour of your facility, and you said you were um, making mustard, and I was like, that doesn't smell like mustard. What was it that you were making that has this delicious smell? Well, today we're making the Scotch Bonnet Mustard Hot Sauce. And uh, we made it uh, quite a while ago. And I absolutely love this sauce. It's really savory and just has all these spices. And it, it does truly bring you to that that roadside Jamaican yeah. jerk chicken hot, hot sauce kind of place. Like so the kind of thing you want to have on roti or yeah, on exactly. a jerk chicken thigh that's been grilled out on some steam kettle. Or you know how they do the kettle drums? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I love that. And it, and it just it does bring you back and it puts smiles on people's faces Absolutely. when you even talk about it. Now, Bernie, salsa, how did you get into the salsa business? Um, like a lot of people, I, um, you know, I, I started growing some tomato plants at home and some peppers at home and, again, had a overabundance one year and just started making salsa and bringing it into the office because I was, I was literally throwing away 10 tomatoes every day sure. because they're rotting on the vine and that doesn't make anybody happy. No. You know, so, but being a, being a city boy um, and not knowing much about farming or growing anything, um, I kind of went a little overboard and <laughs> won, you know, so... Um, so yeah, that's how, that's how it all started. I started bringing it into the office and sharing it and it was just a good conversation piece. You seem, and I hope you take this the right way cause we don't know each other too well, but in my experience, men kind of like gadgets mm-hmm. and men like to do things. And once they get into it, it sort of grows exponentially and I can totally see how this became a business for you. It might be a competition kind of thing with men, <laughs> with that kind of thing. So when you had your first, first salsas and you're bringing them to friends, at what point then did you like start going to farmer's markets? Or how did you grow Double Take Salsa? Because, I mean, how many SKUs do you have? There's a lot. We have a lot of SKUs. We have, um, we have five salsa SKUs plus two salsa seasonal SKUs. We also have... Four hot sauce skews plus two kind of seasonal hot sauce skews, which mm-hmm. is quite a bit. It's 13 skews total. Um, and always looking and trying to mess around with different things as well is always a fun part of it. Um, yeah, so that's that's what we have. Were you going to farmer's markets? Yeah. So I was making salsa for probably two years and bringing it into the office. And then I started writing down recipes, like what I was doing and... You know, it, it always starts with one onion and seven tomatoes and a little bit of cilantro, and then it moves to uh, three ounces of cilantro, you know, and actually weighing it out because tomatoes and onions are different. And, and yeah, so I just started making it, and then I started canning it, which I've never, again, being a, being a city boy from Minneapolis, I've never done any canning. I'd, my mom never did any canning. I just had to learn how to do it. And um, so then I'd have it over the winter. And then people started saying, well, next time you make it, you know, the normal thing i'll start buying it from you right and and as i always say um whenever that comes up i always say you know my mom taught me to 
always give and it's kind of hard for us to like take money for something like we're either going to do it to give it to you or we're not going to do it i can totally see that and um so that's how it initially was but then it started getting a little more you know like okay well i'll buy five or six jars or whatever just tell me what it is you know and so i said you know maybe i will give this a try and so i went down and got my llc done and then in the in the spring of uh 2015 i did my first market and it was a it was a great success i mean it was nice because my friends you know i told them first right you know come on down and get it now because now i can i can legally sell it and all that kind of stuff and then since it worked out so well i got into the linden hills farmers market as well as the one in northeast minneapolis Mm -hmm. and you know every every week it just kept growing and growing and you know uh, by the end of it people were (laughs) it was kind of funny and it uh, it was exciting that um at the last couple of weeks of the farmer's market, people were getting a little panicked. Like, how am I going to, I need this. And they'd buy like a case of it, you know, and right. people were coming up buying cases of my product, which was really, um, it, it was really exciting, but also very humbling at the same time because it, it just was seemed like a lot, you know, and it was great. It was great. So then you go from there, like where that's where a lot of people stop. Right. They, it's kind of, I don't want to say a hobby business because that sounds maybe belittling and I don't mean to, but for a lot of people, that's enough. Like that's where it stops. It's their side hustle and they're happy there. How did you go from that to full scale production and retail accounts? Yeah. So also late in the first year of my farmer's markets, I started having, you know, smaller shops come to the farmer's market and say, Hey, we want to carry your product and we want to carry your product. So then I started thinking, well, I wonder if I could, like, what will it take to really go and start doing wholesale? And did you right? have another job at this point? Yes, I did. What I was did. your job? I was doing residential mortgages okay. um, for Wells Fargo. So, um, Super volatile business. Super volatile. When it's good, I, it's good. But at the time, you know, I was I was doing just fine. Sure. Making, yep. you know, a living. Um, and I had been doing it for 12 years at that point, so it's kind of like, I, I had a consistent business, needless yep. to say. Um, but, yeah, so then I started looking into, like, what it would take to do this and go wholesale with it, keeping my job at the same time. Um, my next step was getting a commercial kitchen because I initially was making it all out of my house up until about September of 2015. So it was a solid four four plus months of making it just at home. Yep. Um, I have to tell you, <laughs> when you do that, it, it sounds kind of funny, but everybody does it that way, right? That's always how it starts. You know, they don't just go and start making recipes in a commercial kitchen off the get-go. You do right. it at home. You figure yep. it out. But when I started getting a little busier, and when I knew it was time to move to a commercial kitchen, was when the daughters and the wife were coughing and and because um, they couldn't stand all the peppers. Yeah, that we I were coughed using. earlier because yeah. you do. It kind of catches in your throat because yep. the oils are in the air. So then we're like, all right, well, I might need to, I'm cooking too often now. So I might need to start doing it somewhere else. And then did you you're in a nice like warehouse space now that you have retrofitted for your needs. Did you were you at a commercial kitchen for a while before coming here? Yeah, I was at a commercial kitchen in South Minneapolis um, from like I said, the fall, early winter of 2015, all the way until June of this year. So it was a solid almost four years. Do you miss the camaraderie of being in a commercial kitchen? Because you had other vendors with you, I'm assuming. You know, I do. Um, I like that. And uh, when I drive a lot because I'm picking things up, I'm making deliveries. So um, 
in a weird way, I'm alone a lot. Like I don't interact. I don't go to meetings. You know, yeah. I don't, like I don't. I'm not a typical desk job person yep. that has people right next to you and you hear people and you talk to them and whatever, whatever. So yeah, I mean that is important to me. But that being said, I you know I do have people working here with me. Yeah. So it's it's nice. And you've got some other vendors that you're sharing space with or that are yep. renting space from you. So that's cool. Exactly. Yep. Um, you. The salsa business is super competitive, and so is hot sauce. Like, how did you get from the farmer's market to retail? Was it literally people wanting your product, or did you have to pick up the phone and cold call? Did you have a salesperson? Yeah, it's all uh, – I'm I'm pretty much the salesperson, it's, so, yep, I'm You seem like people. you'd be good at it. I'm oh, – thank you. Um, I'm the one going into stores. I'm the one talking to grocery managers. I'm, you know – giving free samples away like crazy. And is that kind of what it takes? Because I'll just be honest, I've been with some people that they don't like to sample because people just want the free stuff. And I'm like, people, if you are not sampling your product, you are crazy. Yeah. you. I mean, that's, I I don't know any product that's going to be really successful without that. I think so too. And when I'm at a market and one of my vendors isn't doing sampling, I just, I know right away, like, okay, well, I'm writing you off because you're not going to have a good experience here because no one can taste your product. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's either that or it's a massive marketing budget, you know, to get that brand awareness out and to market and advertise. To and them. you but, need people to be ambassadors for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we I can't even tell you how many jars. I mean, I've given away. I, I think I counted before I even started, like, selling my salsa. I think I gave away close to, like. 800 jars of salsa and hot sauce that's really important for makers to hear yeah i think it's really important for them to yeah. hear and and then since then it's been far more than that i mean because every time i get a, a new client that wants to see you know the product line whether it's a distributor or a different um different uh, grocery store i mean i'm sending almost a case worth to every single person who wants it mm-hmm. not every person but every grocer and you know retailer and distributor because they need to see it they need to see the branding they need to taste it. They need to know what it's out, feel it, hold it, touch it, you know. So, yeah. And is there – someone told me once, and I don't know about this from a tax standpoint, and obviously you're not a tax guy, but someone told me that, like, for all the samples that you sample or send out, that that's, like, considered a marketing expense or there's some way to line item it? Um, you know, I'm I'm sure there probably is, but – the bottom line is you're still paying money for the ingredients yep. and you're line-iting them, but um, I don't know if there's any specific way to do it, like, to make it more of a benefit. Yeah. I guess I would say. I, I guess I'm not quite sure about that. I don't I don't worry about that too much. I just know I got to do it. Yeah. And I get it done and good, you know. My whole... I'll jump... I'll, <laughs> I'll jump a question for you and you can um, do... You can just take it, but my whole model with my salsa and hot sauce company, I mean, it's... My salsa is expensive. I know that. Um, but I I started by kind of branding it and kind of marketing it and making it um, and copying the craft beer industry. Um, I said, you know, 20 years ago, if you went into a, a liquor store, you'd see Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light, Mick Light, you know, all these beers, and they're all four ninety nine for a six-pack. Yep. Then Sam Adams comes out, right? And they have the Boston Lager, and they... They're like seven ninety nine, and people are like, "Why would I ever buy that when I can just buy a Coors Light, right?" And now we know why because it's better. Yeah, right. And it just tastes better, and it's good, and it, people have different tastes. Well, that's kind of what I did with my salsa. Yeah, it's more expensive. 
I get it. Um, but it's it's better, you know, and it, and it's different. So that's a really good thing. And do you remember, like, I can remember going to the grocery store with my mom and, like, Pace was brand new. Yeah. And, like, we thought it, like, came from Texas. Like, some guy, you know, had been in his kitchen and he was making the salsa from Texas right. while we were watching all these million-dollar commercials. But <laughs> that, like, that was my first exposure to salsa. Right. It wasn't a condiment I'd ever been aware of. And honestly... You just threw out a statistic earlier when we were walking around your plant that it's number one selling condiment that they're selling more than ketchup. And I believe that. I eat salsa with everything. I know. It's easy to, right? And now there's so many different flavors of salsa that it makes it, you can switch it up, you know? And I cook with it too. Like if I'm, yeah, if I'm going to make chili or something and I need a quick hack or I have one pepper, but that's all I have and some beans, I'll throw a jar of salsa in there with a can of beer and... I mean, I'm kind of an intuitive cook like that. Or if I have a bunch of leftover pork shoulder, right? I'll just throw a can of salsa in there, and that's the filling for burritos. Yeah, or it's great. It's awesome, and it's easy, right? Um, you know, my when I started my company, I, I learned this from the mortgage industry. And there are two ways that the mortgage industry does business. One is let's make as much profit as we can to keep our shareholders happy, right? And then we'll try to do the right thing, you know, after, after that. After the fact, yep. Or if you do the right thing, you're going to make profit, right? And both companies make profit. It's just a matter of what their mindset is. And that's really how I've done my salsa business is I don't say, how can I make profit on this? I say, let me make the best product I can. And if it's not the best, like we go out and it's funny because every time we make a new product, like the Verde was the most recent one, Right. We would go online and we'd shop for like the most expensive Verdes. And we'd go to the grocery store. We'd go to the Kowalski's and London Barley's and we'd buy them all and we'd just sample them all. And until mine was hands down the best, it wouldn't go to market. Yours was you know? really good. Thank and you. I'm a Verde lover. That's <laughs> actually, I use it a lot. Thank you. Um, for eggs and I make chicken chili with it. Yeah. And um, there's, is it Herdez? That's the yep. kind of standard that you can yep. always find. Yep, yep. I put it in Bloody Marys. And my wife makes sour cream and chicken enchiladas with it. Oh, yeah, it's that's really, what really we good. do that, too. So, yeah, um, delicious. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where I came from. You know, it's – and, again, yeah, mine's more expensive. But when when your Verde has half green chilies and half tomatillos, green chilies are a lot more expensive. Yeah. Sorry, but that's just – that's the way it should be, right? And other people can't do that because green chilies are just too expensive. It's too time consuming to roast them all, you know. So, but that's what we do. Yeah. Which is why we have to, you know, charge a little more. But at least we give you what you want. Are you still growing a lot of the produce, or are you having to source it? Um, no. I uh, w- wife uh, topic number two was uh, <laughs> his was... wife is sitting here. I should just point <laughs> out she's being quiet, but she is sitting here with us. Um. She uh, she at one point said, Bernie, you need to figure out if you're going to be a farmer or a salsa maker. That's probably good advice. And I said, I'm much more of a salsa maker. I'm a city yeah. boy, not a farmer. Um, so now, though, we I'm, I am proud to say that we do um, contract through a local organic farmer, family-owned Sogan Valley Farms. He's just a great guy. Dana's a great guy. And we contracted 20,000 pounds of of peppers from him this year so it was i mean it was quite a bit where's his farm it's right in cannon falls okay yep. so that's pretty cool that you can drive down there and see how the crop is going and yeah 
Do you, okay, because you talk to farmers and obviously the weather and climate change and whatever you think is happening, something's happening. Um, do you like get stressed out if the fields are too wet? And because are you thinking about, oh, that's your crop? Um, you know, it does come up sometimes. Uh, at this point, I'm not super worried about it because I've always uh, bought kind of too much product okay if that makes sense because i get worried like because so here's here's something that's really interesting is in so we get harvest in during harvest you know august to october right and we process it at that point and we're not going to start using it until at least kind of november at the very soonest but pretty much the whole year um the following year until harvest again right but we have to talk to our farmer about what we need and how many pounds we need in January. So like January 20th or 2020 is when I'll put in my quote unquote order for what I need. Yep. But I'm not even going to use that until pretty much most of 2021, which is a year and a half later. So, and with a growing business and just breaking into national accounts, it's nearly impossible to figure out who, who am I going to get, you know, and how much do I need? Yeah. So I've always, and that's just kind of been the case the first five years of this is you know i've grown pretty decently the first five years and it's just so hard to tell what you're going to need and how how much you really are going to grow so i've always ordered probably too much you know but i process it and and then you just freeze it and wait till it's time to do a batch freeze what i don't what i don't use yep so so then you know i have some needless to say so thank god for freezers yeah seriously (laughs) i live out of my freezer i love it um what has been so in terms of branding and design you knew that you were going to be a premium salsa you knew that it needed to look and feel a certain way did you hire a branding company or how did you get to that process um well my wife um third time now um (laughs) she has always been in the advertising world okay and so she knows people what's her name so we can adina adina she's sitting here she's not going to talk but uh adina (laughs) is here yeah and came from the marketing and advertising side so did she have a sense of like what it needed to look like well no so she does more analyst and strategic and managing um versus creative and um but she knows she works with all the creatives because she tells them like here's the scope this is where we need to go with it now you guys figure it out and she always knew who the best people were and approached one of them one day and said, would you like to help us with this? And he was like, yeah, I'd love to. Just give me some salsa and, you know, I'd take him out for yeah. a beer every once in a while. And, you know, and, and he just got after it. And he has done all the branding for all of the salsas. Correct. And hot sauces, too. Okay. Yep. Um, when you think about how your product needs to look on the shelf. Mm-hmm. How did you figure that out? How did you know? Because a lot of people have a real hard time with packaging. Um, well, you know, I, I first thing is I shop and eat a lot and I buy I don't buy the same thing every time. I like trying new things. So the branding does have to stand out. But one of the most important things that Adina and I talk about often with this business is, you know, letting go of the vine, quote unquote, and trusting that you have the best people in place to do their jobs, whether it's cooking or branding and at some point i just had to sit back and let him do his thing you know is that hard of course yeah yeah yeah. i think that's a really hard thing for entrepreneurs i was just talking to a friend of mine who started a new company and he's been there every day since it opened and he also has another job and 
I finally looked at him and I said, you know, you don't need to be the person making the fries every day. Right. Like yeah. your area of expertise, know what your lane is. And if you're burning out in the wrong lane, you know, stop because they need you in this other lane over here. Right. Yep. I, it's, it's exactly how it is. You know, it, yes, it's scary to do that, but it's also a financial thing because, you know, we, we pretty much pump everything that we make back into the company so we can grow. Yep. I mean, I, I've heard mixed reviews on people saying, well, you, you have to pay yourself. You have to make sure you have a line item for that. If you have, you know, your books in place and that's, that's great. And that's true. I agree with that, but I've met way too many people in you know at these farmers markets and stuff that do pay themselves and at the end of the year they get this big order, right? And they have two grand in the bank because they paid themselves thirty thousand dollars that year. Right. They can't make the order. They gotta say no to it. I don't wanna say no to an order. Yeah. You know? Did you um when did you quit your job? I quit my job um October twenty first of two thousand sixteen. What was that conversation like with your wife or were you guys ready and kind of marching towards it? Because that's a really hard well, time. It is a hard time. Um, fortunately, um, my wife had a good job yep. at the time. Um, and she would always tell me, <laughs> it was kind of funny looking back on it. She goes, I don't want you quitting until you can make enough money in salsa to supplement your income that you're making now. Right? I mean, that makes sense. Sure. That's, that's a normal, like, that's normal expectation. Normal, normal expectation. Unless you know what it means to be a food maker, then it's a completely unrealistic expectation, you know, because you're not making, I mean, you're not making, I didn't pay myself the first three years. Right. You know, everything went back into the business to help me grow. Um, and I still feel like I grew pretty slowly. So, um, yeah. Is your wife in the business with you full time now or does she still have her advertising job? Um, she still does. She still has an advertising job. Yes. Mm -hmm. But she helps a whole lot with with all the back-end yep. logistics stuff and everything like that. And medical benefits comes up a lot in family <laughs> businesses because my personal situation, we pay $1,300 a month right. for our insurance for the three of us. And um, my husband has to have a little hand surgery. And he was like, well, insurance like you know, is going to cover most of it except for 20%. I was like, oh, is that on top of my... <laughs> I mean, $23,000 right. I'm paying in my yearly premium. It's just crazy. Right. Yeah. And um, so my wife is still in the business of advertising, but she's a contractor and has been for many years now. So you guys so know the insurance pain. We know the insurance pain. Fortunately, we, and that's one of the things that she takes care of is all that back end yep. logistical stuff. And she found, I, I feel like, I mean, we pay a decent amount, you know, uh, 1700 a month or something yeah. for four of us, you know, yep. two kids and us two. Um, but the deductible is really nice. It's like, we don't pay much other than that. So, so that's great. Yeah. So we're happy with it. And, um, I think for entrepreneurs listening, you know, the, those types of expenses that you don't think about when you think about like, oh, I'm going to quit my job cause I'm so in love with this other thing that I'm doing mm -hmm. like, and just being practical and understanding, you know, how I, everyone I think that I've talked to has left their job six months too early you know, because you think you're all ready to go, and then there's all this stuff that you didn't think about. Right. So I always tell people have six months of income banked at the minimum. Yeah. If you're really doing it smartly, have a year banked at the minimum before you make that leap, because there's just so many expenses you it's don't hard. foresee. Yeah, it is, and that's a that's a great thing because you're right, and it, and there's so many expenses and things that you don't see that you just are are really hard to know before you jump into it. 
You know, you learn a lot when you jump into it. Yeah. Even if you do a ton of research, you learn a lot when you jump into it. How did you learn a lot? Like, did you learn it from talking to people? Are you, there seems to be two kinds of people. There's the people that sort of share everything and just tell you exactly what their experience was. And there's other people that keep it close to the vest. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, I'm much more of a talker and I'm, I'm always willing to help anybody that wants my advice, but it's, it's worth what it costs too. You know, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just my advice, my opinion on different things with, with this sort of business, but yeah, just talking to people. And then, you know, when you get your wholesale license, how do you do that? What's that even mean? Yeah. Right. And so you just have to start, you know, get on the Asking internet questions. and start figuring yeah. it out and, uh, calling people at the FDA and calling people, what's a process authority? I have no idea. You know, Oh my God, we have to do this too. Oh, how and long there is, is a lot of regulation. There is now for sure. Um, I, I guess there has been for a decent amount of time. I've only been in the business for five years, but yeah, there is. And, and the really weird, there's a lot of things that are just really, really weird in the business too. Like there's no blueprint for how to do it. You just have to figure it out. And it's, to me, that's really just kind of, off and like a process authority that's somebody who's an authority on the process well there's no licensing for that you don't i mean any almost anybody could be a process authority right because there's no licensing you could just do it you know um the other funny thing and i'm getting off topic a little bit but the other thing is like like best buy date you look at a best buy date on a jar and people that like don't eat it because it's past it i make that up there's no regulation on a Best Buy date. <laughs> That's so good to know because Stephanie, my radio partner, and I, yeah. we, like, our moms scraped the mold off the top of something and we ate it anyway. Right. Like, we just, that's how we grew up and... That's when it's bad. <laughs> and and we, even then, we just scraped, like, I've had salsa literally have mold on the top and I just scrape it off. Yeah. It's probably not good, but I do. But, well, it's not good if it's sat in your fridge for that long. You didn't like it that much, I guess. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but um, no, so that's just like a really funny thing that people don't realize. And like, I don't know. It's just, it, it's like, why isn't there any kind of regulation with that? That seems like something that maybe should be. That you be. might regulate. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. It's so funny. So when you look at the next year, uh, what's coming up for you? Yeah. Um, do you still do farmer's markets? And Well, we, well, Farmers markets, we've we did some of them this year. Mm-hmm. We were down at the Minneapolis one for a handful of times um, when we were ramping up in the summer and just trying to get a little cash back in our pockets since yep. we just bought this place and it pulled a lot of money out, right? Yep. Um, and uh, but we do a lot more events like holiday events, sure, because we have some great gift boxes these days. People are starting to know who we are a little bit more, um, but mostly just trying to get into more grocery accounts and really you know we bought this place so we could expand and expand nationally if not even just regionally but you know we're we're crossing our fingers on some bigger accounts um do you literally like cold call the uh i don't even know what it would be and it's not the produce manager it's the grocery the, manager yeah like hi my name is joe blow and yep. this is what i do and can i send you some salsa yeah um yes i do but at this point, being in a lot of those smaller stores around at least Minnesota, um, I've really tried to focus more on uh, chains, yep. grocery stores, you know? So like the Lunds and Byerly's style, Kowalski's style, you know, 10, 20, 50, 100 stores, you yep. know? I'm going to try to pitch to a 161-store chain out east um, this winter still. And so how do you do it? Do you call them? 
send them salsa, then follow up, then try to get an in-person meeting. Yep, exa- that's exactly it. Um, calling them is really tough. A lot of times you can't find their number anywhere. Yep. There's no way to get a hold of them. You might get – the. so when you start going with the bigger um, kind of Chains. more chain grocers, yep. it's, they have a buyer, right? So, for instance, like one of the biggest, Target, in our hometown, in our backyard – Target has a salsa buyer. Okay. That's all this woman does is buy salsa for Target. Really? Yeah. That's and that's a full-time job. Yeah. Right? And so she does this. Well, you can't you can't call her. Sure. You'll be lucky and if you And they probably don't want to tell you who she is. No, they don't want to No, it's it's almost impossible to even know who you're supposed to be talking to. You almost have to be invited to like to pitch to yep. them, right? And so that's that's kind of the new struggle these days. It's not just actually getting out there and knocking on doors. It's like Trying to figure this These stuff out. These people are hidden. Yep. And then you send them an email, and it just... Black hole. Black yep. hole, totally. So you just have to keep doing it, and you have to get creative with your emails and maybe give them something that they want to see. Yep. So that's kind of like the stuff that we're working on right now. But, you know, one thing that's that we've done, and I, I don't know the the return on investment on this but we've been doing the fancy food show out in san francisco last yes. year and this year and there's a minnesota contingent right there is there's that's a been put together that, that by, we're is actually it grow north that puts that together um i think it's just the department oh, of Agri- Ag. yeah okay. and ari maybe yep, yep. uh possibly they might like help sponsor it sure. or something like that um yeah they're they're um so we're doing that and that's actually a good way to meet some of these national kind of buyers because the buyers go to these things and if they like the look of it and they like the feel of it and then they taste it and they think it's pretty good, then then we start having a conversation. That's it's really nice. It's a it's a good way to do it. And just working trade shows, like this sounds like an obvious, but like work your booth. You <laughs> cannot stand behind the booth and just stare at people and think they're gonna come by and reach down and grab a sample. You're standing there without talking to them, staring at their hand, going to eat your thing. <laughs> Is weird. People don't do that. Right. I have a few people um, that have helped me that are kind of like that. And I and I have to tell these people over and over and over, and this is kind of my motto, is if you're not listening, you're talking. That's the rule. Bring yep. them in. If nobody's there, you're still talking. Hey, do you guys want to try? You know, people walking by, you, you got to You got to bring them in. You got to yes. hustle. You oh, know? that's great advice. Yep. And then my only other advice is that we need to make them very happy because emotion sells better than anything. We want them happy when they're walking away from our booth. You know, Bernie, that is great advice. You are a sales guy. I can (laughs) sense it in my bones. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me out to your plant. I wish you guys the best of luck. Thank you. And thanks for being our guest today. Absolutely. Thank you so much.